you're welcome to follow along in the worship God before you. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Leave me your truth. Teach it to me. Because you are the God who saves me. I put my hope in you all day long. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for your direction. We thank you for the message of hope in which this day brings forth to us. Recognizing in the midst of the hope, Lord, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of trouble, a lot of confusion, a lot of heartache. Recognizing, Lord, that you are the healer of it all. So turn us to you. Help us to set aside that which distracts us, that which holds us back, that which consumes us. That, Lord, we may release it and recognize your holy presence amongst us. So, Lord, set me aside that it be your word and your presence heard and felt in the midst of this reading. In your name we pray. Amen. So how many of you like to travel or used to like to travel? Right? It's a great idea. We sent our son back to Atlanta this morning and went to the airport really early. Man, if you had seen the airport at 5.30 this morning and three lanes of traffic all packed in the front. So Davis had to hurry out of the car really quick, backpack in one hand and that stuffed bag in the other hand. You remember traveling and you're going on a trip and you get your bag together and you put everything in it and you have to sit on it and you have to zip it just to close it. And you pick it up and whoops, you left something out. A belt, a hat, socks, shoes, slippers, a jacket, something like, how in the world am I going to make room for one more piece of clothing in my bag? Or maybe you've been packing the car. I mean, you're traveling by car, and and you get everything in the car, and you kind of hold it as you shut the back of an SUV or or the trunk. You kind of push it a little bit harder to be sure it shuts. And you go, got it all in, and out the door comes one person in your family carrying One more bag. How in the world are you going to make room for it? Or maybe it was just Thanksgiving and you're sitting at the Thanksgiving table and you've enjoyed that meal and you're like, "Mm, I can probably make one more room for another slice of turkey or dressing or piece of pie. We talk about making room for things in our bags, things in our homes, things in our stomachs, but do we ever think about making room in our hearts? As we enter Advent, many of our hearts are heavy with personal concerns, work concerns, maybe even spiritual concerns. Our hearts are tired, our hearts are exhausted, our hearts are still filled with this uncertainty of what the future might hold. If only we had a light to navigate us out of the darkened paths of our hearts. In my dad's journey with cancer, 
He often the next day gets a shot for white blood cells. It, it's a, a booster shot to, to boost the white blood cells. You know the white blood cells help fight infection and that's necessary. What if, what if we could inoculate our hearts with some shot that would boost our morale, would boost our spirits, would boost our hope that might fight the infections that invade our God gave us one. His name is Jesus. Hope in Jesus. That's what the story of Advent is about. Advent gives us and the church an opportunity to begin again. To once more shake off the failures of the past at Advent we get an opportunity for a fresh start in which to establish our relationship with God in Christ. Advent marks the beginning of the church year and lays before us the lighted pathway of faith for the year ahead. That is, if we make room for Him at Advent. In this light, hear these words from Jeremiah once again. I'll be reading from the NRSV version this time. Jeremiah 33, beginning at verse 14. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days, at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. <clears throat> Who's Jeremiah? I read from the book of Jeremiah. Who was Jeremiah? What, what do we know him as? He's a prophet. He's one of the major prophets. Somebody even said this morning, the weeping prophet. Now prophets were given a divine revelation from God to, to give this inspired message to the people. A message they didn't want to hear, but a message in which they needed to hear because of some faults that they have been going through. Jeremiah was specifically for the people of Judah. The northern kingdom's fall, the southern kingdom of Judah, and Jerusalem has been involved in sin and idolatry. And Jeremiah, with God's inspiration, gives a message of judgment against them. You can imagine the kings don't like this message. The, the countrymen aren't very happy about this message of destruction and not looking forward to the captivity that Jeremiah is predicting. Everything. Everything that they have known that gives them meaning and identity looks like it will be destroyed. And in the midst of all of this, Jeremiah brings them the message that I read today. A righteous branch will rise up who will restore Jerusalem to justice and righteousness. So in the midst of these tough times, God makes a promise. 
A promise that sounds too good to be true. But you know what? With God's promises, they are true. He keeps His promises. Do you like promises? This time of year, this Advent and this season in which we're approaching, do, do you look forward to promises and kind of anticipate them a little differently this year? You know, the fun of a promise is when it's fulfilled. The, the fun of a promise is when it's carried out and we see the result of that promise taking place. Today, we begin Advent. It's the time of year when we look at the promises of God that have not yet been fulfilled. And Jeremiah helps us to do that by talking about this branch of David that will come. But it's the waiting. It's the waiting that's the hard part. The people of Judah are waiting. They're being ridiculed. They've been captivated. They're, they're in bondage. They're oppressed. It was their fault, but God through Jeremiah has given them a promise. A promise that they can hold on to. And what is that promise? That a righteous branch will spring up and he will execute justice and righteousness. In other words, Judah will be free from domination. Free from invasion. This just sounded too good to be true. The Israelites thought their branch was dead. They had been conquered and would no longer be under a Davidic king. But God has promised them a new life, a new start. Some waited for it. What about you? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Others decided not to wait. Not to wait for the promise of this new branch, and they began to worship the gods of the Babylonians. Sure, they may have enjoyed immediate gratification, but that never lasts, like the new toy that's offered, uh, that's opened and enjoyed, but put away and rarely played with again. So here's the question for today. Are you willing to wait and trust in the biblical promise of Advent? Are you willing to wait and trust in the biblical promise of Advent? We say we are, but I admit I'm not real good about waiting. There's just too much uncertainty now, too many things to figure out, too much stuff in the way, too many problems to address. And you want me to wait? Mary and Joseph and Jesus had problems that night on their journey to Bethlehem. They didn't want to travel, but they were being forced to travel, to, to go to this city to participate in the census. There was little room left for Jesus in Mary's womb, and there was no room for them in the end. This worship series that we're going through encourages us to look at that moment, to look at that night, especially from the viewpoint of the innkeeper. 
Not in the negative light, but perhaps in one who thought differently. Who looked at the situation and wanted to solve it. Maybe where Mary could actually have her child. Instead of saying there was nowhere for them to stay, maybe he looked at it and said, Hi, I bet I can find a place for them to stay. That somewhere was a stable. The least likely of all places. Here we are in this pandemic as it continues. That has laid bare our weights, our struggles, our concerns, our shortcomings, our frustrations, both personally and professionally. Both as individuals and as a community. We want some sense of normalcy. We yearn for normalcy. Maybe. Maybe this Advent season we can look at these things in a different light. Not as something that distracts from Christmas, but perhaps that's something that points us to Christmas. That we look to the creator of the light that shone bright on that night in Bethlehem on an unlikely place for the holy to be born. Who seeks to shine upon us that same light. No matter where we might be or no matter where we find to rest our heads. The light of Christ is shining upon you. The light of Christ is shining upon you. The light of Christ is shining upon you. Inviting you to embrace it. And inviting you to be that beacon of hope to others. For the light's important for us, but it, it's no good if we keep it just to ourselves that together each of our lights combined can do something so much greater than only one of our lights can do alone. So you're, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling stuck on the road or you're not sure what direction to take, hang in there. Someone with the light is on their way. But again, that light's not just for our benefit. What is one thing that you can do to offer that hope to others? Who is someone who might need to see the light? We're called to make room in our ends. To create a welcoming space for the well-being and even the flourishing of humanity. But for that to happen, I think first we're going to have to make room in our hearts. That God can fill the lonely and frightened and darkened spaces with the light of hope. In peace. In joy. In
the prophets, such as the word we hear from Jeremiah, are sold out for their story. They're committed to their story, and they help us this Advent see God's story with perhaps new eyes. No matter what everybody else sees or tries to sell us this time of year. Whose story are you going to trust this Advent season? Whose story are you going to trust this Advent season? Hold on to God's story. Make room for Him. To do so, there might just have to be things you need to let go of or leave behind. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.